Between that pile of laundry that never seems to get any smaller and all those incoming emails and oh so many Zoom calls, you've got plenty on your to-do list. So give yourself one less thing to worry about and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. You know how this goes. You want Chinese, kids want burgers, everybody wants Froyo. Well, instead of just arguing about it, there is something for everything on DoorDash. So get, get everybody everything they want. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is really easy. You just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and you enter the code STAPLES. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code STAPLES. Don't forget, that's code STAPLES for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show Friday edition. That means Ari Wasserman is joining me. I have an issue, a bone to pick with you, Ari, that we will get to after we talk some football. We, we didn't talk about it last week because I wanted to ease you into your regular Friday roll, but we, we're going to have words at the end of this show, so I'm warning you now before it gets like those two guys in Houston the other day miscalculated that strategy on your part there because you gave me another week to stew over how passionate I am on that topic. So uh, be ready because I'm, I'm, I'm... I am ready. I am ready for your, your hot, that thing we're going to talk about takes. But first, we're going to talk about football because there's a lot going on. The Big Ten is playing again. And Nicole and I covered that pretty thoroughly on Wednesday. And we can talk about that a little bit, Ari, but I, I want to talk to you a little more about the Pac-12 and how fast that turned because it was can't play, can't play, can't play, signed a deal with a testing company, still can't play, and then within hours of the Big Ten saying they're going to play, the Pac-12 is suddenly presenting proposals to the governors of California and Oregon saying, hey, can can we play? Because you, you let the... California, you let the Rams and the 49ers play games this weekend, so could, could we play? Yeah. I uh, wrote this story like three weeks ago, and I think I talked uh, to you about it on this show, but the entire uh, idea of um- uniformity in the game. And like it never struck me as even possible for there to be two separate schedules. So the fact now that they're playing separate schedules but on the same calendar makes a lot of sense, four out of the five Power Five schools or conferences, and now I, I just anticipate that the Pac-12 is going to join because the sport is is based in that, and I just can't imagine there being a, a, a Power Five conference playing a, a different season at a different time or two, two out of the five playing at different times and also the recruiting calendar and all the things that go into it. Like the idea that they would have separate schedules is so odd to me, and like – I just feel like now things are just starting to make sense again. And I don't know if that's just like a short-sighted way of looking at it, but like I never really anticipated that it was ever going to get to this point. And even last week when we were talking about, you know, the Big Ten playing a spring Rose Bowl and all this stuff, it just like it never felt like that was even possible, even when it was possible. Um, so now that it's not again, I, I think like things are starting to normalize and, you know, 
the biggest factor here, Andy, I think is that the um, tolerance for risk is changing where things uh, that might have seemed impossible back in May are now possible. Cases on campuses are are happening and and teams are just playing through it where we would have thought at times that that would have been impossible. So now that the Pac-12 and and the Big Ten to a certain extent has seen how these programs have, you know, worked through it and even have advanced forward through it, that the, the bar for risk makes it more feasible. So I think there's a lot of factors here, but getting on the same page and having a higher risk tolerance, I think, are the two biggest ones. Well, it's amazing how much the risk tolerance changed once other leagues started playing and and the possibility of those leagues playing a season and them sitting out, staring them in the face, made their risk tolerance change. And uh, you know who else was surprised, Ari, about the, the idea of there being separate schedules? Kevin Warren and Larry Scott. Because I think they thought when they postponed, everyone else was going to follow them. And that night of August 11th, when the ACC was like, "Mm, don't care. And then the SEC was like, "Mm, we don't care either. And the Big 12 was like, "Mm, we don't care either. We're going to play. I think, I don't think it sunk in with those guys how badly they'd miscalculated. But as the season got closer and closer, I think that that idea really crept into their heads. But as we've seen in the sport, things happen incrementally. And I know that everybody will make fun of the Big Ten or, you know, hate the Big Ten for trying to stand its moral high ground or whatever, however you want to call it, and being the one that forces everybody to make that change. But that's what we've seen, especially in the in the basketball situation. I know that's a different sport, but it happens in stages. Conference tournaments gets canceled, then this tournament gets canceled, then this team cancels, and it's just kind of like a domino effect. And I thought for sure that when the Big Ten canceled – that the outcome of that was going to be everybody is eventually going to cancel. But when we talk about risk factor, there are three conferences in the Power Five that just had inherently higher risk factors than the Big Ten. And when you, you take into account that everybody on earth wants to play, that's the other thing, too. Like, I think that they thought that if they canceled the season, not only would they be the leader in the benchmark of how the rest of the sport would proceed, but I think that they would also be viewed as the good guys who cared about their athletes more than making money whether or not that's true isn't the point but they they thought that that might look that way which is why Kevin Warren was so surprised by the backlash that he got but then it's just like if the people are the the ones who are taking the risks want to play then who are you to tell them not to let them play then if they if they want to play then let them play well exactly and especially when you're talking about a population that is inherently risk tolerant football players understand that they might break their necks when they play. They understand that they're going to take hard hits to the head. They understand that there might be long-term consequences to that. The, if you're a football player in 2020, you're going in with eyes open. So it's a really hard deal if you don't feel like you're at risk and somebody says, no, no, we're just taking care of your safety. Yeah. And I think that if you're also looking at the at the fact that there have been outbreaks on campuses and on football teams, and then these football teams have um, isolated these guys, quarantined them, and then they've come back to be a contributing members of the team. I think also was uh, important data for them to see. Now, I'm not saying that it's not risky, and I wouldn't. I don't have children yet. I don't know if I'd want to put them in a position where they could potentially get this because the risks are obviously higher when you're well, in your locker room than. Let you- me let me tell let me tell some as someone who has children. I have an 11 year old and a nine year old. You know who doesn't really get affected by this? Children. 11-year-olds and 9-year-olds. No, I know, so, but 18- to 21-year-olds do. 
And like if that not was not as much. I mean, if you look at the numbers, they're very, very low. Yeah, so, I mean, and we've seen that. But like the the fact of the matter is, is that you're still putting yourself in a risk. And I think everybody's risk tolerance is different. But what we found is that I'm wrong and you're right. That these parents, I haven't really seen very many parents saying, "No way is my kid playing." All I've seen is the opposite. So if the people who are directly impacted by this want to play, and the coaches want to play, and everybody who wants to uh, be the free labor in a huge business wants to do it for free still, then why would you say no? Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a pretty tough deal to turn down. But that's the thing. I, I talked to some parents on Wednesday. I, I talked to Diane Fryermuth, Pat Fryermuth's mom, the, the tight end from Penn State. And she was really good talking about it because I think what people don't understand is, you know, the parents were okay with this. And of all the people who you, whose opinion you would seek in terms of is this too risky or not, those are the people whose opinion you should seek because they're not playing an angle. They love their kids. They want their kids to be healthy and happy and good and, and have good lives. And, and her thing was, when the, when the Big Ten initially postponed, she said, if you've given me statistics, if you've given me exact numbers, figures, numbers about the testing, figures about myocarditis, explain why that's a risk factor, explain what, what will change over time, then she's like, I would have been fine with it. But they never gave that. They never gave that out. And then yesterday, they did. They gave very specific information. And I feel like that sort of changes the, the tone of everything is you, you know what you're dealing with now. You, and, and I think that's, that's been part of the deal as we've gone on through this coronavirus thing is it was such a mystery at first. And you couldn't evaluate the risk because there wasn't enough hard data. But now it feels like there's a, there is more data and it is more possible to evaluate the risk when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. I think that the number one problem uh, outside of not postponing it before canceling it was the fact that there was no information given as a result of it. And I still am very curious to see how uh, things are um, going to be handled uh, as they continue to progress, and I don't think that anybody is uh, naive enough to think that the Big Ten is going to make it through a season without cases. Um, it's just a matter now of how um, they can proceed and uh, how much of a uh, threshold in terms of sickness and, and people getting it they'll have before they start trying to reconsider some things. So, you know, the hope here now is that those numbers are correct and that the, the risk is low and that these parents can have a healthy full season. Um, but also at the same time, too, the Big Ten is in a really weird pressure cooker right now to have to play eight, nine games in eight, nine weeks. And like, yeah, if no, the, no days off. And the threshold from a safety protocol standpoint is massive. Like, if you get sick, you're out three weeks. That's 30% of the season. Like, so the the it's almost like walking a tightrope here a little bit. Like, I'm happy that it's back. Everybody's happy that it's back, but... You know, you're kind of going into it with your breath held a little bit, just hoping that people stay safe. Yeah, it, it's going to be weird, and, and it's going to be weird in, in all the other leagues too. I mean, we saw North Carolina and Charlotte had to cancel a game on Thursday because most of Charlotte's offensive line has been knocked out by contact tracing. I, I, it's not a, from what I read, it's not a ton of cases, but there's a ton of people who came in contact with with the people who tested positive, and so they can't basically can't field an offensive line, and 
you're probably going to see stuff like that. I mean, you had Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri talking about having 12 guys out right now, and and probably those guys goes guys will be out when they open against Alabama next week. So it is going to affect every like the SEC intentionally delayed till the 26th to mitigate the effects of this. They're still going to be affected. Yeah, yeah, and that, it's like two. I can't stand the idea. And I think you tweeted about this yesterday, Andy, but, like, the Big Ten got it right. No, they didn't get it right. No. And no, they messed up on a lot of fronts. <laughs> what they did on Wednesday was very good. Yes. The way they handled it Wednesday was good. I don't know that 21 days is, is you know, because people were pointing, are the other leagues doing 21 days? Why don't they care as much? Well, the CDC tells us we don't need to do 21 days. Yeah. So, like – Normal people can go back to work after 14. Yeah, yeah. I know, but like also, you don't want to, I guess you're being overly cautious in a sense that your whole season is teetering, and if you cancel two yeah. or three games, then that can change the entire outlook of it. And I hope we talk about the playoff and all this stuff uh, as we go and like whether or not a 6-0 and team could get in over an 8-1 and team. Well, but we- Let's talk about that now because I think the Pac-12 is an interesting test case for this because given where they are, and they're in a different place than the Big Ten because Big Ten teams have been able to work out this entire time. Right. They can go to – if they start practice right now, they're going to be ready to play come October 23rd and 24th. Pac-12 teams, if they started right now, they're going to need more ramp-up, especially the ones from California and Oregon. They are going to need probably eight weeks of ramp-up time. I'm not sure they can play until November. At that point, do you – let's say Oregon is undefeated – when they pick the playoff teams, would you pick them? Is it too late for playoff reform? Are we just let's just, or do you want to just talk only about the four teams? I, okay, so I I have said this all along. Before everybody started canceling, when we assumed it was going to be everybody on their own doing an, a conference only season, but they were all going to play. So this would be you know like between August fifth and August eleventh. I said, do an eighteen playoff just for this year. Take every conference champ or take the five power five conference champs, take a, the highest rated group of five champ and take two at larges because that way you're not really guessing as much as you would be. Yeah. You're not leaving a league out because and honestly, there's no basis for comparison other than maybe the Sun Belt's better than the Big 12. <laughs> I, they are. Uh, but I think that that's the perfect way to handle this because you put your playoff seeding in the hands of the conferences and how they determine their champion and if they determine their champion in six or seven games that's how they determine their champion and you take each conference champion and then you can have two three or whatever at large bids based on how many conferences are getting automatic bids for being conference champions and that way you don't have to worry about it now once you reach the playoff teams might be like well we're beat up for playing 10 and Oregon only played six and you'd have a whole other discussion but I think the threshold to getting into a playoff in a year that's so uncertain right now is allowing there to be automatic bids and taking the discussion out of it by only letting the teams that win their conferences make it. And like if there's two teams in the SEC that have that, then you can have the committee to to discuss the three or two at-large teams. Mostly will be a 
one group of five team and probably the second SEC team that deserves to get in. But that way, as long as you win your conference, it doesn't matter how many games you played. That's how your conference determined the champion. And then, then you move on from there. Now, I don't think that there's any perfect world in this messed up scenario where everybody's going to play the same amount of games and have the same amount of tread left on their, on their energy tire <laughs> at the end of the year. So if that's not a realistic thing, we have to uh, accept the reality that this is an odd year. And hey, like the motto from a few weeks ago that we came up with, we're, just, we're doing the we're best all we can just here. doing the best we can, exactly. And, and you have no, to accept right. that. Well, and the other thing is if you're looking for dates, if, if you're worried about dates, like can you get the championship game moved? Can you still get the venue? I watched the Dolphins against the Patriots. Unless Tua is really awesome and comes in and just blows everybody away. That stadium is going to be wide open that point in January. So if you need to move it another week, you'll be okay there. Yeah, and I also don't know why anybody was uh, is so freaking out about the timeline. What do you, what do these what, what do people care about the timeline? I don't get it. There's different teams back in the old the, days. The Bulls care because they want they want the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl. They want that those games played in those venues. Well, the Rose Bowl is open. Do they have any other tenants besides UCLA? The Rose Bowl is open if you want to push that game a little bit. The, the Superdome's a little bit different story because the Saints probably will be in the playoffs and yeah. could very well be hosting. So They can't figure out a way to issue. have two football games in the same stadium in the same weekend? With, hey, they got turf. They can do it. Yeah. They like, can pull I, it off. I, I, I know that like it's easy to sit here on this podcast and like make up logistics for other people that have to pay millions to get stuff done. And I understand that like TV revenue and dates are important, but... like. Back in the TV's going to give you more if you give them yeah, an extra round. And in 2005, the national champion, if if you come from the Big Ten, had to wait six weeks. It's like not like it's been not been done before. You can wait six weeks or two months to play a football game. I know that's not ideal, but again, we're not getting ideal this year. Well, nobody's nobody's going to have to wait that long. I think it's a matter of pushing the games back a little bit so that that there's. A, a tiny bit of a break between your conference championship games and the semifinals. Otherwise, you're just rolling right into them. And even if you do, then who cares? It's a different, weird year. I, like, I think, no, exactly. I think I, as long as everybody's but, playing with the same challenges, any way that we can get this done health, healthily and evenly, the best that we can, Like, I think that like everybody just has to be flexible with the understanding that it's just going to be odd. I think you're right about that. I, 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 And I think people have gotten used to that as they've watched the first few weeks. See, I remember before the... The actual playing started. People like, well, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. I'm like, they're going to do whatever they can yeah, do. And they can There's do that. There's a lot of things you're not going to be able to do this year just because it's weird. And yes, you're, you're exactly right. In the playoff, you may have one team that played 11 games, one team that played 12 games, one team that played nine games, and, and one team that played eight. Who knows? I mean, but it doesn't really matter because... I think it actually just shows how much they're just guessing under normal circumstances. Yeah, they are. And like for the most part, too, like we know who the best teams are. And I know that kind of stinks for like 85% of the college fan base. But like does Ohio State have to beat Iowa and Maryland and add those two games to the schedule for you to know whether they belong or not? Like, and I know that that's kind of like a short-sighted thing, but like Gene Smith was on his call yesterday and I got on it and he said, having been on the committee in the past, I just think this year with the uneven circumstances of the amount of games and when people are playing and the, and the 
potential for postponements and kids missing games because of contract tracing and all the stuff that's going to come into play. It's just up to the committee this year to use their eyes to pick who the best teams are. And, like, that's been subjective in the past. And that's, Oh, God, the eye test. The oh, eye t- no. A.K.A. Who How scores dare the them. Most, A.K.A. Who scores the most points. Uh, but, like, yeah. I mean, just, just watch the games. We know. We know who the best teams are. And it just – if Oregon is 6-0 and and they only can get to six or seven games and they win the Pac-12 championship, then you know what? Put Oregon in. They deserve it. If they're in the if they're the Pac-12, you know, and let them play. It's not like Oklahoma's been the exemplary example for like uh, perfect fourth candidate. Like I think that everybody knows that the three are going to be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then whoever else is lucky enough to dance is going to have a shot at it. And if the one thing that'll be more fun though is is that in a in, in the situation where you're talking about the national championship race. It'll be very interesting to see how losses are categorized. Like if Ohio State only plays eight games then and they lose one, then maybe they're out, and that's fine. Maybe they should just be out because they have less risk for error, less margin for well, error. I- Now's the time to get your student loan payments under control. You could be saving by refinancing your student loans with Earnest. Interest rates have hit record lows, which means it's a great time to refinance your student loans and see if you can lower your monthly payment. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Earnest. Checking your new rate is fast and easy to start. Complete a few questions online. It only takes two minutes and you'll get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. And now, you can get a $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with earnest.com slash staples. Once again, you get a $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at earnest.com slash staples. Not available in all states? Visit earnest.com slash staples for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest student loan refinance loans are made by Earnest Operations, LLC, NMLS number 120-4917, California Financing Law License Number 605-4788-303 Second Street Suite 401 in San Francisco, California, 94107. Visit earnest.com slash licenses for a full list of licensed states. I do want to give the folks some time to get on their, their Twitter machines and remind you about Iowa beating Ohio State in 2017. No, I know, I know, and the upsets I, I, happen, but I don't need to you see. Did, you did bring up Iowa, and, and so you're get, you're going to get a lot of pick six on the first play. Yeah. Well, How like, could you forget? The thing about it is that um, upsets absolutely do happen, and I understand that the more games you play, the more likely you are to lose one of those weird upsets, but the fact that they've happened – against Purdue and Iowa in two years and then, like, never at all for the previous 20. Like, I think that, like, we could be safe to say that, like, if this year Ohio State's not exposed to the Purdue game, that, like, you can still decide whether or not they're one of the four best teams. Like, I'm just saying, like, those eight – the eighth and ninth game, though important, and, in again, an ideal world, you want them to play, I still think that the committee can use their eyes – to see if they're good enough to play. And I think the same goes for Oregon. And maybe if there's no uh, out-of-conference games, it's harder because you're not having that that data point. But in this world, uh, you just kind of have to go with the flow. And I think we would like to see Oregon play Alabama. Or, you know, I mean, we've, we've seen Oklahoma. And if they're undefeated, they get in too. And this is the debate. And if Ohio State loses once, they're out. That's it. That's the way it works in, in this year. And if they don't, then 
they're eight and zero, then that's good enough. So like it's like you live by the sword, die by the sword. Because everybody who brings up the Iowa and Purdue game, even though those turned out to be college football playoff disqualifying losses, like they've also been in the playoff as a one loss team before. And this year they don't yeah. get the benefit of the doubt with a shorter schedule. Well, I also think if you got to crank eight conference games, well actually it would be nine if you make the championship game with no weeks off in between. There's a good chance you're going to get upset. That that just it, it sort of lends itself to that, and it's it's the same stuff the the SEC is saying about having to play an all SEC schedule and with you know one open date. So it just may be that there's more upsets this year. It may be that we are we are picking from a group of one loss teams or a group of maybe even there's a two loss team that that we're seriously considering. Just because of the way the schedules worked. Yeah. And maybe at the end of the year, there will be no undefeated teams. And then what I just said won't make sense. But in a world where things go on a shorter scale the way that they typically do, and you have, like, I would take one loss Alabama um, in the SEC schedule, having played two or three more games over a one loss Ohio State team playing less games 100 times out of 100. Like, that's just the way it is. And, like, if the circumstances are you get the advantage of getting into the playoff because of a shorter schedule um, and eye test matters then, then you also don't get the benefit of the doubt if you lose. Like, it's both. So that should, like, help ease people's minds of, like, well, if Ohio State only plays eight games, how can we reward them with a playoff spot when other teams have been beaten up more? Well, it's because they didn't have the margin of error that they typically do in other regular seasons. So it's, like, give and take. Well, and it's also like I had a mailbag question of how do you rank all the teams on October fifteenth, and and how do you handle the fact that you know you'll you'll have an ACC ACC team that's played like five games, and you'll have an SEC team that's played three, and a Big Ten team that hasn't played any yet. And I'm like, you don't worry about it. It's for entertainment purposes. Who cares? You know, everybody will be playing by the time the the committee meets for the first time. They they don't release a ranking until November seventeenth. So. I don't think you need to worry at all about the dates and the you know what what anybody's ranked in the AP poll on October third. It doesn't matter. If anything, it'll be more fun to track and talk about and write about and podcast about. Like that's like kind of like chaos is, can be fun. Like everybody, chaos always, is the best part of the sport. I know. That's what. So like, what are people all wound up over? Like this is great. The only thing that I ever wanted as a consumer of college football. And I, I so hope that the Pac-12 figures is out, is that everybody goes through the chaos together. Like that's like that's the thing. You, that's just, the, you just want your kumbaya moment. That's that's it. Well, I just like I was watching the Clemson Wake Forest game, and like uh, I was thinking to myself, this is awesome. Clemson looks great. This is great. And then like I kind of got um, the wind out of my sails a little bit from a college football standpoint because it's just like, well, I'll never get to see them play Oregon. I'll never get to see them play Ohio State. Like, and the best part of the sport is the geographical element to it. And, like, if it's all the South, then everybody in the South would be happy and and good for you. But there's a whole big country out there that loves consuming the sport. And and the rivalry of North versus South, East versus West is amazing. And, like, now that Clemson is doing its thing, like, it's more exciting for me to check out Clemson knowing that there's a chance that I can see them play out of conference against other really good teams. It's just more entertaining to me this way. So you're saying it, it just means It just means more? more. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm with you. I love the idea that now Ohio State or Penn State is going to be considered for the playoff. 
And I hope that Oregon will get a chance to be considered for the playoff because I want there to be more options. I don't want there to be just this little tiny group of options and you don't feel like you can't do any better. This way, you do have the entire country represented. You do get everybody involved. And at the end of it, if you won, you can say you got through everybody. I, I, I'm with Dabo Sweeney that this year's national champion, we, we need to consider them the greatest national champion ever. And, and we, we talked about the asterisk. Leave the asterisk on, but the asterisk is a, is a badge of honor. It's not a, it's not a this was a, a just kind of a season. No, it means you did something because you survived this thing. But it's like also, too, I, people always get uh, mad when I talk about Ohio State. Forget Ohio State for a second. Like, Michigan's not playing Notre Dame this year. They are one upset away from making the playoff for the first time. That would be awesome for the sport. The fact that Michigan wasn't playing, if if Michigan isn't playing, it's every bit as annoying as Ohio State not playing. And Penn State and these teams, too, that are one half step or one full step, depending on the year behind Ohio State, but in a weird pandemic year where people might be missing or games might be played under abnormal circumstances, like it gives other teams that are in the public eye and in the national eye a chance to do something they might not have been able to do in regular years. Like, I think it's awesome. All right, so we, we are agreed, and we will put out this resolution, and I'm sure the people who run college football will listen to us, because they usually do. Eight-team playoff at the end of this year. Let's get everybody involved. Doesn't matter if you only played six games. Pac-12, get your butts back. Do what you got to do. Call your governors. You know, I, sounds like they've already talked to them. So let's, let's get back on the field. Let's get this done, and we'll all sing Kumbaya at the playoff. And they will determine a national champion. And people will complain about it, and it'll be great because that will feel normal. My uh, cover photo on the Twitter is everybody love everybody, Jackie Moon from Semi-Pro. <laughs> and it's just like that's kind of like my motto in a year that everybody hates everybody. And, like, I also want a spot for the AAC in there, Do too. It. Yes. I want a yes, spot in there, too. UCF, Cincinnati, Memphis, Houston. Because they went. You to, name it. They went from the biggest beneficiary of all this to like, oh, no, now we're back into the same spot again. And like, Hey, listen, UCF still playing at 3.30 on ABC on Saturday when they play Georgia Tech. Yeah. So it, they're still getting some benefit out of yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I mean the ultimate benefit, which is a potential shot in the playoff when in a four-team scenario they're never getting in. And you know what? Maybe rightfully so. But in this weird year, give them a shot. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, and here's the thing, and this is why they won't do it. That will be so much fun that people will never want to go back, and that's just not. No, we don't want to improve the product. How did <laughs> not till the contract ends, Ari? We can't improve the product till the contract ends, and the yeah. contract doesn't until twenty six. You know what the you know what would happen, man? They they would do it. The excitement of the matchup of uh, Alabama versus Cincinnati would be amazing for the month, and then Cincinnati would lose by sixty, and they would never do it. Again. Oh, it, it yeah. We say look, see, and then I would point at the. Oklahoma LSU game from last year and go look see but I also yeah but I also don't know if that's a bad thing you reward the top seed and the number one seed in the playoff with the group of five with school, the easiest win which yes, is the way exactly it's done right. and I don't know every other freaking sport on the planet <laughs> Ari you can't pull that in college football it's if it's not done in college football it's impossible it's impossible to do it everyone yeah. else in the world does it <laughs> Yeah, because it's like that would be the number one thing. Like last year, the number one seed uh, in the 
country got greatly rewarded and it worked out and if you're not the number one seed then it should be harder and that's why there was like such a big a big debate between clemson and ohio state uh last year because the 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 loser or those two teams had to play each other and lsu didn't have to play the team that could beat them and like you never know i don't want to go back and rewrite history but if clemson plays um Oklahoma in the first round and LSU plays Ohio State, then there could have been a different national champion last year. Mm, I don't know. I mean, LSU, LSU was really good. LSU like, I mean, beat the team that beat Ohio State pretty thoroughly. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, LSU I, beat Clemson pretty badly. I know, but Andy, playing those two teams in a row, I'm not even talking about the outcome of who would do it. I think playing – if LSU had to play Clemson – and, uh, and Ohio, Ohio State, State I got you. That or Ohio been a, State and then Clemson. Yes, I, I got you. Much harder path to the playoff than throwing seven touchdowns by the halftime and then like kind of rolling out until the championship game. Like like emotionally speaking, physically speaking, like the winner of the Ohio State Clemson game was coming into that game at a disadvantage because of the path. That's my only point. That's true. This is true. Now that's quite a take, but you, you had another hot take a couple weeks ago. We didn't have a chance to get to it last week because really there was just too much going on. But we we got to get back to this, Ari, and I feel like we need to have a chat, and I, I just need to explain. I, I'm going to tell your future here and, and, and tell you why your opinion is going to change on this thing. Tell me. And I think, I think you know what we're talking about here, and it, it sounds a little something like this. Pizza, pizza. <laughs> sure does. So, a few weeks ago, you slandered Little Caesar's Pizza. I don't remember exactly what you said, but it was very mean. Want me to, want me to uh, uh, refresh yeah. your memory? Absolutely. It's the only pizza I've ever met in my 33 years on this planet that was inedible. First of all, that's wrong. No, that's it's not. <laughs> factually incorrect. Second of all, your opinion will change when you have children. And... I got in trouble on Twitter for expressing this very true opinion that millions of people agree with because parenting Twitter came after me. How dare you feed your children pizza Twitter? Did I do that to me. you? Was that me? No, no, I did that to myself. Oh, Don't okay, because I told you. No. like The threshold for uh, what you feed your children from a person that's not a parent can't just be what's convenient. <laughs> But that's the uh, whole thing, right? Yeah, that's that's why you're not a parent. Well, here's it, the thing. Well, i got to give you some it's background. A, it, let me put it this way. It's a parent you're not a parent because you wouldn't say that if you were. Okay, let me give you some background. The person I'm going to end up with for the rest of my life is a gluten-free health nut. Okay, and the it, person I have yeah. been married to for almost 20 years has celiac disease. Yeah, so yeah, it's the same thing. We, yeah. we, we go without gluten. Guess what? Guess what was great and saved our asses many, many times? Little Caesars? <laughs> Little freaking Caesars. But my, so, my girlfriend hey, is very s- adamantly, like, she'll see and listen to these podcasts or see my Twitter discussions, and, like, she'll tell me that, like, the stuff that I'm debating about and the things that I've put in my body disgusts her. Like, I can't, like, I'm in a place right now where I'm, like, losing weight like you, but, like, I have gotten to that point by eating this crap, and I will say... That of all the things we talk about, best fast food fries, best gas station snacks, all the stuff. She doesn't eat any of it. She eats zero of it. And, like, the fact of the matter is is that, like, I shouldn't be eating that stuff either. It's not good for your health. But, like, my thing with with this whole thing is that if you're going to eat crap, which I've eaten plenty of, but when you eat crap, 
and it's terrible for you and it makes you feel like crap, at least have the best version of the crap. Like, so like, why would I, like, why would I, if something is better and I'm going to feel bad about eating it and and it's going to make me feel bad, I want to enjoy the eating experience as much as possible. And as a childless adult, Mm -hmm. Little Caesars is at the bottom rung of anything that I could put in my body. Of course, because you are a childless adult. I know, but why can't you just go to McDonald's? It's the same thing. Like if I'm eating with my children. Let's not get crazy now. Um, But no, okay. So let me me explain this to you. Do you think I would choose Little Caesars first if I was given my choice of any pizza in the world? No, absolutely not. But I also don't think that you could choose Little Caesars and the convenience of it over Domino's. It's the same thing. I'll, I'll tell you why. Maybe your kid won't eat Domino's. Maybe Little Caesars is the only pizza your kid will eat. And I say this because there was a time when that was the only pizza my son would eat. So, I, Well, then we're having a different discussion then. I mean, yeah. we're not, well, like, no, we're, no, no. But that's every kid. Every kid has that deal or, or that phase or whatever it is. No matter what fitness fads you follow, one thing is true across every one of them. You have to get hydrated and stay hydrated. The best way to do that is liquid IV. It is the most efficient way to get and stay hydrated because each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Why is that? It's the optimal ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium delivered into your bloodstream. I live in a place where it is scorching hot, very humid, lose a lot of water when I go out running. I drink a liquid IV beforehand. I drink a liquid IV when I get back. It feels great. Partial to the acai berry before, lemon lime on the way back. I'm not sure exactly why it works out that way, but those are my favorites. Also, if you celebrate a little bit, it doesn't have to be a workout thing. Maybe I had a neighbor who was testing out smoked old fashions, and maybe I had a few. Maybe I had one too many. When I got home, I drank a liquid IV right before bed. I felt fantastic in the morning. So how do you get yourself some liquid IV? You go to liquidiv.com and you use the code ATHLETIC at checkout, and you get 25% off anything you order. That is 25% off anything you order when you use the promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. So get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Hey, golf fans. The Athletic is expanding its golf coverage. You can expect to see the same kind of comprehensive coverage we produce in other sports with features, profiles, columns, analysis, trend pieces, Q&As, mailbags, you name it. We'll take you inside the ropes on both the PGA and the LPGA Tours. We'll share stories about aspiring Corn Ferry Tour pros trying to play their way onto the big stage, as well as familiar names who are grinding to get back there, plus a weekly column on fantasy golf and betting. You always want to nail those daily matchups, those tournament matchups. We'll dive into the college and amateur scene as well and even have some fun with recreational golf. The U.S. Open is going on now, all weekend long, and I hope you enjoy it. And make sure you go to The Athletic to get all the reaction you need. Back to the show. My wife and I both both work, obviously. Uh, her job is very demanding. I, at the time the the kids were younger, was doing essentially two jobs. I was working at SI and I had a a lot of work on, on Sirius XM. And so there were days where there wasn't a lot of time and you'd pick the kids up and they'd be like, we're hungry. What's for dinner? And you're like, oh crap. 
I haven't had time to go to the grocery store. I don't know what to do. And then you see that little Caesars $5 hot and ready sign for $5, five measly dollars. It is A, hot and B, ready. You don't have to cook it. They'll eat it. They'll leave enough for you to eat so that you will not have to cook dinner for yourself. It is the greatest package that you can get. It is the gift that they give to you. See, the, here's the of thing, pizza, though. pizza. The thing that has been irritating to me about this discussion is convenience and what your child will eat and all the cool things that you just described have nothing to do with the original point. And what I said is it's gross. But it's not. Like if you, the, the regular Little Caesars pizza is not perfect, but it's, it's certainly edible, works in a pinch. If you throw the extra $3 down for the deep dish... It's borderline good. Yeah, I don't know. I've only eaten it, I think, once or twice. And my experience the second time was so bad that I never could walk back in there again. And ironically enough, (laughs) when I went into the place, it wasn't ready. Well, see, that's you, you should walk out and never come back. If they can't keep their promise of it being hot and also ready, then... You're done. Have with you it. ever walked but, into a Little Caesars before and asked for a pizza and had to wait more than a minute to get it? No, God no. Okay, because that, that that happened to me. And like, <laughs> I would just turn around and walk but out. But like to me, it's like um, the convenience of like ordering Pizza Hut, or actually now in a world where you've got Grubhub, like rather than even going in and standing in line in that place, like ordering the food on your phone on your way home is more convenient than going into Little Caesars. What's funny is the picky kid doesn't want Little Caesars anymore. Good. He's now decided the only pizza he'll eat is Domino's. So there's, so there's uh, still hope for you as a parent. Well, that's what I'm hoping is he'll keep moving up the chain, and well, maybe away from the chains. And like we've got a really good pizza place that's in the front of our neighborhood. Fantastic neighborhood place. Great pizza. I'm hoping that one day he goes, that's my pizza. But I, I but I don't want him to be that kid that won't eat the. The chain pizza too. Yeah, I mean, we, you, you could be, be like me pizza growing up and eat all of it, which is what makes this such a hot take. It's the only place. And let me ask you: Have you ever had a pizza that you thought was so bad you couldn't continue eating it? So yes, there's a uh, there's a chain in in Gainesville that all the UF grads will recognize called Five Star Pizza. And Five Star Pizza, they are great at getting a pizza to you for a low low price. Like my freshman year. After the national championship in football for a month, you could get a large pizza delivered for $2.99 plus tax. So you could order pepperoni and still have enough for tax and tip if you gave the person a $5 bill. It's fantastic in that way. It's also fantastic in that they would dispatch drivers out to where the bars were letting out at 2 in the morning with a giant stack of pizzas. Yeah, just... And they were $5. <laughs> So that's a good business plan. I don't know how oh, they yeah. stayed in business with the five dollar delivery thing, but the volume. Well, the 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 they, the drivers rode bicycles and they dis, they would dispatch a bunch of orders at once to the campus, and that's yeah, why. that's I that, see. It was, but it was all it was all volume. It's like that Saturday Night Live commercial for Citywide where they they make change for you. Yeah. How do you how do you make money? Volume. <laughs> so the this place. Did tons of business. I gave them plenty of business. I was never usually, what's the word, sober when I ordered their pizza. And I do remember the first time I had it sober. And it's like, what is this? What is this? Yeah, I uh, 
that I have eaten, I will eat, um, we've talked about this, I'll eat gas station roller food. I'll eat pizza that's in a gas station. I'll eat the Godfather's Hunt pizza. Hunt Brothers, baby. Hunt Brothers pizza, hunk of pizza in a gas station. I will eat it at Speedway gas chains. You actually know it's a hunk. They call yeah, it a hunk no, of I've, pizza. I've been on the road enough to know what's going on. And Little Caesars is the only time I've ordered a pizza, taken a bite out of it, put it back into the box, and threw it away. Now, it's I the only time Caesars, in my entire Little life. Little Caesars improve, has improved over the years, much like Domino's, where... There was a par- there was a moment of reckoning at Domino's where they go, "Hey, you know what? Our pizza's not very good. We got to do something about that." And then it got demonstrably better. At Little Caesars kind of the same way. Yeah. I mean, I don't know like if you want to do the random ranking right now and just throw it at you, but sure, like Sure, do it. Let's do it. The random ranking of uh fast food chain, I mean, a uh, chain pizza of chain places. pizza? Yeah. Okay. And like I think that like it's like very fascinating because like when I um tweeted about little caesars people were tweeting at me like how inedible domino's was and i think that that is insane it's not great pizza it's not and it's not like the pizza i would choose on death row but it's certainly better than little caesars like i don't even know how anybody can have that discussion well and you have so many more options and their app is so good i mean here's the thing about domino's if you're you can have it delivered but if you're going to pick it up i mean you just as you leave the house you hit what you want and it's exactly what you want when you get there. There's usually a really good coupon. You're probably paying less than ten bucks. So yeah, I, I'm with you. All right, so w- w- let's do top five pizza chains. Okay. What's your number five? My number five would be. Why don't you go first? I got to think about okay. this. This is important to me. Okay. So my number five. Hold on. Let me, I gotta see if there. Because are there five national pizza chains now? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I can think of three national ones, but I like, can think of four. So this is the problem. Maybe we need to do top four. Okay. Because um, we're not going to do CPK or you know like Mellow Mushroom. Actually, we no, we can because we, we forgot our guy LeBron. Yeah, I guess if that Blaze counts, Pizza it, is nationwide. So yeah, they've got I, Mod I Pizza, a, Mellow Mushroom, Marcos. Um, yeah. You know, there's different places. Like, is Romeo's I, a national chain? Do they have those in no. Gainesville? No, but but Blaze Pizza is pretty much everywhere now. So let's is Jets Pizza I, I in Nashville? Do, uh, no, I mean no. Gainesville. Sorry, no. Okay, hungry hungry Howie's is pretty big, but I know that's not everywhere. But I, I think there's five that we can go with that, that that I'm happy to go with. So I will I will rank them as such. So number five for me would be Little Caesars. I like it. For the convenience of the hot and ready. Now that my children are older and I'm not in that situation where they just want food right now and they're you can't be reason you can't reason with them, it's not as useful to me as it used to be. So then it's a more about taste, and that's that's what drops them. Okay, my five is Papa John's. I think that um, I always have like a little bit of a I think it's trash. So uh, it's not very good, but I think they have a very solid thin crust if you've never had it. Um, that's pretty solid. And I don't like thin crust. And pop- the, the cracker type thin crust, I just throw it in the trash. I, I like, don't New York style is fine. Like the floppy New York style slice, that's great. That that thin crust is fine, but the cracker crust that you get at Pizza Hut or you're, Domino's uh, or Papa John's. Blech. You you're not a real pizza connoisseur unless you can not discriminate against it. I'll eat it all. I, I, I'll I, eat it, but it's disgusting. No, like I like 
I think that there's a spot in my heart with thick uh, Chicago style, cracker crust, uh, New York style, gourmet, cut into squares pizza. I love it all. But Papa John's is... Gourmet. Also known as Detroit style. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. You're number four. Number four for me, I'm going to go with Papa John's, which I think if you'd have had, if we'd had this discussion much earlier, like when I was in high school, I'd have had Papa John's number two or number one. I just really liked Papa John's back then, but it tastes change and, and, and their quality has changed. Okay. My number, uh, four would be, uh, Famiglia pizza. Have you seen that? It's in like airports and malls. All it's over in the malls. Country. Yeah. Does that count? I like that. I, I, I think it well I almost feel like you can put them and Sabaro and um I'm trying to think of the other the other chains that are like that that are like in every mall food court and airport but basically mall food court New York style floppy slice pizza. Yeah, but like that specific chain I have a ranking within the ranking. So Famiglia yeah, there's, is There's there's one in the Atlanta airport that's really good. Okay. You're number 3. Number three for me will be Pizza Hut, and this would this would have been my number one as a kid. Pizza Hut was the the best pizza chain. It was the gourmet pizza chain. Pizza Hut pan pizza was the single best kind of chain pizza. But it's just uh, other companies have have kind of one up them. My number three is Sabaro, and I know that's very similar to the last one. But the reason why we even got into this discussion before is because somebody made a chart and said that Little Caesars was better Sabaro, and I, I found that offensive. And anybody who tweeted at me um, that Sabaro is way worse than Little Caesars or is inedible, unfollow me. Like, it, that is so – like, and I understand that everybody likes what they like, and, you know, the taste is in the eye of the beholder. But if you think that Sabaro tastes worse than, than Little Caesars, I'd, I'll never agree with you about anything. Like, that is so blatantly wrong. So, you know what is great in a pinch? is Sabaro Stromboli. Yeah, it's amazing. I like that place. If you're, if you're stuck at the mall and, and you're just starving and there's a Sabaro there, get a Stromboli. Everything will feel better. It's, yeah, I, I, well, that's where I pick. just amazing. That would also so. be like a good random ranking if you want to write this down for one of our later shows. But best uh, mall meals. Best, oh, no, bourbon chicken. Bourbon chicken. Uh, I, I also like number the, uh, one with a bullet. I also like Philly cheesesteaks, but let, let's not go down that road yet. Right, right, and with with fresh cut fries. Yes, exactly. Okay, so I got to do number two now. So my number two will go to our our friend LeBron Blaze Pizza because you can now get that delivered to you, so it it does put it in the same vein as these other places. The idea of the the assembly line pizza, which I you know kind of the Chipotle style, go down the line and tell them what you want. It's, it's great for pizza, and Blaze gives you a ton of options, and God bless them for doing a spicy sauce that's actually spicy. I love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I should have put the, I've actually never been there, so I didn't put it on my list, but like those like make-your-own-pizza places are actually solid. So like I, I apologize for not having any of those represented on my list. So I've got two left, Andy, and I have to ask you a very mm-hmm. important question about determining okay. who my number one is. Did Go you take it. into account... Anything else besides the pizza when making this decision? Like, do appetizers yes. count? I, I'm not counting the rest of the food. I'm I'm counting the ordering experience, the technology, the uh, the technology. The they get it to Did you. Did you just give away yeah. your number one? I think. Well, yeah, and plus <laughs> you also there's 
process of elimination. But yes, go but ahead I'm saying if I'm two. particularly partial about someone's cheesy bread, that can't make them Absolutely. number one. Absolutely, I think that matters. Okay. I think uh, it's a big deal. Okay, so number two is Pizza Hut. I think that the best pizza in chain pizza is Pizza Hut. Uh, stuffed crust pizza, traditional style. Um, the reason why it's not number one on my list is that their appetizers suck, and sometimes it's inconsistent. So, like, you can get a really good Pizza Hut pizza sometimes, and sometimes they'll show up and it's undercooked and terrible, and I hate that. But I do think that, like, if I could have the best version of a fast food pizza chain, a large cheese or large pepperoni or large half cheese, half mushroom or something of that nature, stuffed crust would be my number one fast food pizza. See, I, the stuffed crust was so disappointing to me. It was like, oh, great, they bake string cheese into the crust. I love the stuffed crust, and I eat it backwards like they used to say in the commercials. I like no. When I get full at the end of eating it, I'll stop eating the pizza and rip off the crusts and eat the crusts. I love it. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a, for Pizza Hut, I'm just a straight-up pan guy. Pepperoni and black but, olives or pepperoni sausage and black olives. And, like, Pizza Hut, pan pizza, and their thin style is all good. I think Pizza Hut makes a really good pizza for what it is. Yeah. So my number one is Domino's, and it, it really, they did severely improve the product over the last five to ten years. There, there was a, there was clearly somebody went to them and said, your pizza stinks, do better, and they actually did. And not only did they do that, at the same time, they upgraded their technology. Their app is so easy to use. Uh, their coupons are fantastic. If you're, you know, if you're buying pizza for your whole family, you, you can probably get out of there under 20 bucks. I mean, it, the, it's a pretty good deal. The three item, five, or two or more item, five ninety nine. dollars Oh, my God. It's one amazing. of the best deals in food because Domino's is my number one. I also think that Domino's has the best appetizer in the chain uh, pizza place, and that is the cheesy bread there. I've never ordered from Domino's once and never gotten the cheesy bread, ever, not once. I feel like if you order Domino's and don't get it, there's something wrong with you. It is you know so- it's also a crowd pleaser for on that five ninety nine menu? What's that? The cookie brownie. Yeah, I don't usually get desserts, but I've had it before, and it is solid because it's like warm and melted. But like their pizza, too, is much better. The regular... Um, the regular crust is good. The seasoning on the crust is good. But I also love the deep dish and the cracker style thin. But here's one that you should get. And like as I'm getting older, I don't know why, but I'm liking pizza with less toppings on it. And I don't know if that's like there's something with me. I don't know. But like the Wisconsin six cheese pizza at Domino's is legit. Like it's like okay. The app tried to serve that up to me the other day, and I did not order it. I will try it. It's but, it's legit. But I'm gonna throw some. I'm gonna throw some meat on there. Sorry. Yeah, and you're more than welcome to do that. And I know that like if somebody says I'm because like my old my perfect pizza uh, topping combination is um, sausage, pepperoni, mushroom, and onion. And like I think that like or with or without onion, but you need to have those first three on there. But the problem, I, see, I'm perfectly fine with those three. I, the onion just yeah uh, that activates the gag reflex. But, but yeah, uh, first three are great. But the one thing that is a problem about that is that fast food chain pizza restaurants have really bad sausage. Like I only like sausage like when it comes from like a nice restaurant that has gourmet pizza, and that's like that's like. I can become a pizza snob real quick, but I want like real. So you you got to be at Lucali in Brooklyn. To yeah, get, to get so I don't even know if they do sausage. If they, you do put sausage they, on your pizza from Domino's, it ruins it. Yeah, it's see, I I will do the meat, all the meats pizza. You know, it's an, a, an underrated topping at a chain pizza place because you're right, the the quality of the sausage is pretty variable. But when they do ground beef, 
yeah. it's all pretty good. And so that's one that, that you never really think about. But when you get it on there, you're like, yeah, that's, I should get that more often. Yeah, yeah. I never get ground beef, and I also never get bacon. Um, I think that, like, this is another thing that people might hate me for, but I think that bacon is the most overrated food on earth. Oh, my God. Hey, what no, is but, wrong with you, No, Marty? no, no. Not that it's not good. Not that it's not good. I like bacon. I like bacon on my hamburger. I like bacon in my breakfast. But the thing that I, I like don't bacon like, on my bacon. I don't like when you have something with bacon in it, Andy. The whole thing tastes like bacon, and like it's, mm-hmm. it overpowers the entire bacon thing. Amazing. And I don't want to have bacon at every meal. I don't want bacon in my chocolate. I don't want bacon on my pizza. I want. Bacon See, I with think my the breakfast. bacon on the chocolate, the bacon chocolate's a bit much. But anything that's already savory, bacon can make better. And pizza is definitely on that list. It's like bacon has to be your favorite thing in the world for you to love bacon. Because if bacon's on anything else, it's all I taste. So I like bacon, bacon but it's not my favorite thing in the world. It is a lot of people's favorite thing in the world. Yeah, and if it is your favorite thing in the world, then it's the perfect thing. Because, like, I wish that I could make everything I eat taste like pizza. But, like, I want my pizza to taste like pizza. I don't want my pizza to taste like bacon. So what's your combos flavor? Oh, the pizza one. And I I also like the the cheese pretzel ones, too. But I, I get pizza chips. And, you know, we I think we talked about this on, on a previous episode, but, like, the pizza lays, like, the deep dish, like, lays. All right, let me let me throw this at you. We're going to see how, how dedicated you truly are to this, this life choice. We'll go back to one of our previous random rankings. Let's say somebody made pizza cereal. Would you buy I'm it? I'm in. <laughs> yeah. No, I like, I, I don't know. Milk doesn't seem like a good quality. Um, There's ha- milk and cheese, Ari. No, I know, but like, I don't know. Do you ever have a big gallon of uh, milk ready for the whole family to chug? Uh, if you're having a pizza dinner, I do drink drink milk with some pretty peculiar things. I think milk goes very well with spaghetti. Is that weird? Well, no, it I know makes you're going to believe say. that you would eat pizza cereal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it definitely you know does. What? Actually, would probably try it if somebody thought. I mean, my point is, pizza is my favorite food. And like the things that I want on my pizza are there to accentuate the pizza. I don't want something to take over the pizza. And like I like don't want bacon flavored pizza. I want pizza. I want pepperoni. All right. There's a lot General to unpack Mills there, but whatever 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 company that makes this, I'm pretty sure it's General Mills. Cap and Crunch, oops all pizza. <laughs> We're gonna get Cap and Crunch busted down to Lieutenant. Last Oops, time, all pizza is coming. Last time we came up with a, a plan for cereal, we found out that it already existed. So <laughs> that's right. Someone's going to tweet at you. Crunch milk. Someone's <laughs> going to tweet at you, Andy. Uh, check this out, and it's just going to be pizza flavored uh, cornflakes. I hope not. I really do. I really hope not, because I think you're the only person that would eat them. But hey, listen, if there's a market for it, we, we need revenue streams on this podcast, Ari. Yeah. So pizza cereal may be the way to go. I mean, I'll have it. I will eat it. That's a f- if it if it's out there. I promise everybody that I'll eat it. You heard the man, Ari Wasserman. We'll be back next week with a taste test of pizza cereal. We'll talk to you. <laughs> we'll talk to you after the games on Saturday. Thank you.